pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we come before you on a Sunday morning, and Lord, we're thankful for the freedom that we have to assemble in your name. Lord, we ask that you would help us to use this time wisely to sing hymns that bring worship and glory to your name. Lord, that we in our own hearts would be prepared to worship you in each part of the service, whether it be in the singing of the hymns, whether it be in the giving of the offering, Lord, in the listening to the preaching, and yet, Lord, in the invitation, a time that we can all participate in where, Lord, willingly we surrender to you what is yours, that we may live differently through this coming week. We ask that our worship time here would be real and would change the way we live when we leave. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll have the children dismissed at this time to the Children's and Toddler's Church. And this morning, let's turn back to Philippians chapter 3 again, and we're just going to kind of pick up right where we left off. Uh, last Sunday morning, uh, the last several weeks, we've been going through uh, the verses that we have picked out to be a theme, uh, an emphasis uh, throughout the year 2017. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, that is uh, uh, sometimes a different, difficult reference to make. I remember when I was a student in high school uh, many years ago, and uh, just thinking about things, and we were sitting there going, yeah, when the year 2000 comes, that, that was 17 years ago. Uh, how many of you thought the world was going to end? Y2K. Uh, a lot of people really did, and uh, I remember we started in, in at, the, at our church, we started in July, those that were here, saying the world is not going to end in Y2K, uh, because everybody's expecting it, and the Lord says, in a day and an hour when ye think not. So, and, and Y2K was the quietest new year that I can ever remember. Uh, they said the banks were going to fall, fail and the nuclear missiles were going to go off and everything was going to... No, none of that happened. What we need to do is we need to trust the Lord. You see, it still is good for you to be still and know that I am God. Now, that being still doesn't necessarily mean sitting still and doing nothing. No, it means turning the right of determination over to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not doing my plans or my wishes or my desires. That belongs to the Lord. I am still until He moves me. And let me tell you, I, I do not mean this tongue-in-cheek or uh, sarcastic in any way. But the world is full of voices, my friend. You better make sure you're tuned in to the right station. You better make sure that you are... That's what it means. Be still. Is Turn over the determination of my life to the Lord Jesus Christ... But you better check the frequency you're tuned into. The devil himself is transformed as an angel of light. And it's very easy to do the wrong thing thinking you're doing the right thing. If sincerity 
were the test of truth. Let me tell you, the suicide bombers have the corner on that. How can you be more sincere than that? To give your life for your cause. That's not the test of truth. In fact, if we look at it honestly, that proves how little truth that you really have, that you have to lay down your life to protect it. I do not lay down my life to protect this book. There are the history of people who believe the Bible was literally written with the blood of those that believed it, but not a one of them died protecting this book. They died obeying this book, and the world had no alternative to try to shut off their message than to kill them. You you follow me on that? I, I don't protect the Bible. The Bible does not need protecting. We don't have time this morning, but uh, I want you to pray with me. I, I, there, I, there are like three or four different series I want to bring back. And one of them is the history of our Bible and how we got it and how we use it. Uh, and, and another one is, uh, uh, well, I won't go there this morning, but... Uh, just pray with me as we, we choose these things. Right now on Thursday night, we're doing a series on truth versus imitation. And the world has so many imitations out there. You, you better know. That's why the Bible says, know that I am God. I, I am confident that what I believe and what I practice comes from God because it's written down in the Bible. You know what? No other religion can do that. You cannot go to the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, what is commonly called the Jehovah's Witnesses. You cannot go to their organization and study only the Bible and nothing else and become a member of their group. You have to read and study their books because their unique doctrinal position only comes from themselves. By the way, it's the same thing with the Mormons. If I explain to you the Mormon faith simply and honestly as it is, you would say, this is a really bad version of Star Trek or something. That you're going to get your own planet and you'll become the god on your own planet with, uh, if you're a man, you'll be in charge of your celestial harem producing Spirit babies to inhabit your planet. Now, doesn't that sound like a really bad, cracked science fiction novel? But that's what the Book of Mormon teaches. But they won't tell you that in those kind of words because nobody would believe them. And so they have to bring you in slowly by offering you this book and that book and this article and that article. We're not here to criticize other religions, but what we're here to do is say, hey, listen, you need to know that what you believe has actually come from God. The reason I'm a Baptist preacher is because I can hand you this book called the Bible and say, read it. And if you will use common definitions and common grammar and common usage and keep it in the context of what other Bible verses say in its historical and cultural setting, 
there is very little room for what the world calls interpretation. You can only go so far. Be still and know that I am God. But God is not just knowledge. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Salvation is supposed to do something for you. How many of you today could say, I can give you direct, distinct testimony of things that God has done in my life since I've gotten saved. You see, God's resurrection gives me power over sin, over myself. You know, there are many people that are held prisoner in their own bodies by their own thought processes. They just can't get loose of those things. And here is the tool that will set you free. But I've got to surrender those to the Lord. And and we're going to pick up right where we finished last week and keep moving on. And if you want a, a title for the message, this is the work of knowing Him. You see, it's salvation is a one time event. That's why the Bible calls it being born again. And if you've ever witnessed the birth of a little child, if uh, uh, I was uh, talking with uh, one of uh, Sarah's friends, actually, she went to co- they went to college together, and they were there at the uh, preachers' meeting that I was at this week, and uh, they've got uh, uh, let's see, one set of twins. And two other little ones, four little kids, and they've only been married three, three and a half years. I mean, that's a busy household. I mean, lots of little things. And uh, I remember meeting them as they were trying to get into the church. And the, the little boy looked at me, and I just reached down my hand. He picked it up, and I walked him in. I said, you don't mind if I borrow a grandkid this week, amen? And, and so we had some fun there and, and enjoyed uh, a little fellowship together. But what we need to understand is birth is not the end. It's the beginning. 99% of what calls itself religion ends with your hope of heaven. I want to challenge you. That's false religion. Because this book called the Bible begins with your hope for heaven. Unless you have your eternity settled, you have no freedom to live the things that are in this book called the Bible. And this is what Paul is teaching us. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, people will read that and they say, well, see, there there Paul is talking about hoping that he goes to heaven. Wrong. Look at verse 9. We're going back two verses. 
And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness of God, which is of God by faith. If you have the righteousness, which is of God by faith, are you saved? Amen? You see, the most wonderful thing about true Christianity is that I get to spend the rest of my life getting to know Jesus better. Building a relationship with Him. So this is one of the things that our society has worked very diligently to remove. My father worked his entire working life in one job. He was a machinist at Black & Decker. And he started out working and he learned the trade as he worked. And, and my father passed away as a young man, 48 years old. But he had worked 20 uh, some years, 26, 7 years, for the same company. The average marriage lasts less than 10 years. Used to be 50 years was a very common thing. I find myself in a very small group. My wife and I are looking forward to 25 in September of this year, 25 years. That's pretty cool. 29, yes. Thank you. 30 is next year. I knew I was messing something up. Oh, well. Thank you. Stand corrected there. Got to get the math right. Our oldest boy's going to be 28 this year, so we better be 29. Amen. All right. That even moves us into a more elite corner, doesn't it? Almost 30. There we go. The average pastor stays at his church two years. All of these things remove from our understanding, from the sphere of influence in which we live... the joys and the blessings of a long-term committed relationship. Of building loyalties, of building things that only occur after many, many years. There are certain things in your life that only time can bring. We live in a world where people possess incredible knowledge. Very little experience. And it's hard when you're 40, 50, 70 years old. I remember we had a man that was a member here. He was 77 years old when he got saved. And he said, Pastor, I don't understand. 
He said, I've lived a wicked, evil life all my life. And it wasn't until I was 77 that I heard the gospel and got saved. And he's with the Lord now. And I called his name. I said, Bill. He said, God knows our lives. I said, how many times could you and should you have died before you got to 77? He said, oh, I couldn't even count. He was merchant marine in World War II. He sailed the ships with no guns and no weapons that were carrying the supplies. And the submarines, both Japanese and German, were waiting there to sink the ships. And, and uh, he said, I sailed the seven seas and all over the world. He said, I've done just about everything you can do. He said, why did... I said, God knew when you would receive his message and he kept you alive until you would receive it. Isn't that a blessed thought? To know that we can trust our lives to God. But please don't presume upon His grace. You have no guarantees of tomorrow. Paul was not doubting his salvation here. He was explaining the daily work of that salvation, of that building, that knowledge of God, of that deepening commitment to Jesus Christ. The word that I like to use is His confidence in Christ. You know, that's become a word that that is very negative in modern society. How in the world can you be confident in what you believe? You think you're the only one that's right. No, I do not. I have never believed I'm the only one that's right. I believe God's the only one that's right. And if I agree with Him, then what does that make me? Right? Not because I feel good about it. Not because I'm so smart. I'm the only one that can figure it out. No. In this church, we give everybody a Bible. Challenge it. Take it home and read it. And I've had people over the years, and we'll deal with this in our text today. Well, I just don't believe the Bible the way you do. Well, this is a Baptist church. And you need to understand something about Baptist. Our group is historically the only group that allows you the privilege of being wrong. You see, every other religious group, when you disagree with them, what do they do? What do you think would happen in modern-day Pakistan if somebody stood up and said, Muhammad was wrong about fill in the blank? How long is their life expectancy? Until the first guy who believes Muhammad was right about that gets to them and kills him. And that doesn't necessarily mean a very long time period. During the Middle Ages in Europe, you stood up and preached against the Catholic Church. Someone says, oh, the Reformers were great heroes. They weren't near as great a heroes as the world makes them to be. Where would Luther be if the elector of Hanover and his armies weren't protecting him? In fact, the elector was one of the main leaders in what they called the Holy Roman Empire. 
which was a, basically a Catholic organization uh, in Europe, and he kidnapped Luther and stuck him in a castle where nobody would know what he was, who he was, and kept him hidden for several years so the assassins of the Catholic Church couldn't get to him. Now here's a name to pronounce. Balthasar Hubemeyer. Now, Balthasar Hubemeyer lived about the same time as Luther and many of the uh, uh, other quote-unquote reformers. He, like they, was a Catholic priest. He, like they, began reading the Bible and realizing the Catholic Church was all wrong. But Balthasar Hubemeyer did something different. He didn't start his own church. He humbled himself and went out and found a church that was already preaching the gospel. In those days, they called him an Anabaptist church and submitted himself to believers' baptism. And then, as an ordained Baptist preacher, went out and preached the gospel. He lived for five years because the Catholics finally caught up with him and murdered him. But they tell us he had 25,000 converts. I'm sitting there going, wow. You see, that's my hero. Because he didn't need an army to protect him. Yes, he died a young man. But he accomplished far more in those few years doing what God said, God's way, than many of the men who hid behind the protecting of a human army. You see, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering may be being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, Paul is simply saying here, every effort of my life I want to spend being prepared to meet God. I've been told many times, well, listen, Pastor, you need to understand, you can be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And I'm sitting there going, yeah. But which is better? To be so heavenly minded, I'm no earthly good, or to be so earthly minded, I'm no heavenly good? Because you see, I'm going to spend a whole lot longer in heaven than I am going to be here on earth. I'd rather be despised by this world and useless by the world standards for the another 25, 30 years, whatever the Lord will give me, than to spend all of eternity wishing I'd done more for Christ with the life that I had. That's what Paul's saying in this verse. He's saying, I'm going to expend every energy to get to know Him better so that when it comes time to stand before God, I'm going to hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, that God will approve of the life that I have lived. And verse 12 is the attitude Paul is showing us, his mind and his heart. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that 
for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, I'll be the first to say there are certain verses in our King James Bible that takes a little bit more than a simple reading to understand them. This is one of those verses. You've really got to start at the end of the verse to understand the direction and the flow that Paul is going here. He said that I may apprehend. Now, the idea of apprehend is to catch, is to get a hold of, is to uh, take control over. He said, I want to get a hold of that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, Jesus has got a hold of me. I'm saved. I'm eternally saved. I am held by the hand of Jesus. He knows every sin that I've ever sinned. He paid for every sin on the cross. He knows everything that I have done and everything that I will do. He knows me. But I want to get to know Him. You see, every problem you face in this life really could be served, solved. The answer served by knowing more about Jesus. You you don't know who I'm married to. Well, I want to challenge you. If you knew Jesus a little better, He'd solve that problem. You don't know my boss at work. Well, wait a minute. If you had a little more knowledge of who Jesus is and what he did, you'd have the patience to put up with him. Well, you you don't know what the world is trying to do. I mean, you live here in the church. My favorite one is, Preacher, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. And I'm sitting here going, Give me a break. I pastor in New York City. I'll tell you what. You're not going to shock me. Sorry. Because I've already read far more evil things in this book called the Bible than you'll ever be able to commit. You want a shocking story? How about the story of Judas Iscariot? Who walked with the Lord three and a half years and betrayed him. You think you're such a good sinner? Give me a break. You haven't even started yet. But I've got a message that Jesus will forgive you for every sin that you've ever sinned. And not only will He save you, He will give you the opportunity of intimate fellowship with Him. He knows you. And the Bible says that when we call on Him in faith, when we believe that what Jesus did, His death, His burial, and His resurrection is sufficient, He saves us. We're born into His family. Little babies are fun. Especially before they start talking. Because they'll just sit there and they'll go, And you can make them say anything you want. And it's just fun. I think they even made a TV show of somebody talking over a baby or something. I don't know. Uh, Who needs TV when you got your own kids? Amen? And you can enjoy that time together. But it's much more rewarding 
when they call back as adults from college and say, Dad, I really understand what you were trying to teach me now. And then I have to be Dad and say, No, you don't. You just understand a little more. Give it time, and God will teach you. But those things take time. You know, most parents don't spend the time with their kids to make sure that the kids know what the heart of the parents are. That's what happened with Solomon and Rehoboam. You've got to spend that time. And here's what he's saying. I don't know Jesus as well as I want. I am not perfect. I haven't been complete in Him yet. But I'm following after. I'm trying to learn. I I want to get a hold of that knowledge. Because knowing who Jesus is, is going to change everything about my life. Can we say amen to that? You see, verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what Paul is saying. And this is where we we need to get a hold of this today. If you get anything out of the message, this is what you need to get. How in the world can I press on toward that mark of the high calling of Christ if I'm still trying to figure out whether I'm saved or not? You see, that's where all false religion keeps you. In bondage. Not knowing whether you're saved or not. Not knowing whether you've done enough good to outweigh your bad. Oh, you got the hope of purgatory. Or, or you got the hope that, that God will just overlook your sins. And these are some of the foolish answers that men have come up with. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, He paid for every sin that was ever sinned. And Paul says, I am free to press on toward that mark. I've often tried to illustrate this. The most selfish people in the world are people who are trying to earn their way to heaven by good works. Because they need your problems to get them points with God. Do you follow that? That is the exact antithesis of all false religion. How many people are out there in this world trying to help other people with their problems so they can feel better about their own lives? What is more selfish or corrupt than that, my friend? Paul said, I'm pressing toward that mark. He said, I don't count myself to to have apprehended. I don't know as much about Jesus as I want. He said, I'm pressing on, but I have the privilege of forgetting those things which are behind. If you want to know what makes a marriage sweet, it's this verse right here. 
forgetting those things which are behind. If you want to know what makes a marriage miserable, just remember every rotten thing he's done for the last 25 years. And I promise you, you'll be so miserable you won't know what to do with yourself. Many people live in captivity to their sins. You don't know what I've done. You know what? I'm glad I don't know what you've done. I've had, I can't tell you how many people sat across my desk, Pastor, you've got to know what I've done so you can know where I'm coming from. And I try to be as kind as I possibly can. I don't need to know about your sins. Because your sins don't determine your future. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ that should determine your future. Amen? Amen? Am I in the right church this morning? How much time do you spend in the graveyard of forgiven sins? How many things have not happened in your life that God wanted to happen because you were too busy unforgiving yourself for something God forgave you for? This is what Paul's talking This is the work of knowing Jesus. It's a two-way street. He knows everything about me. But I need to know more about Him. He gives me the privilege of not having to bring up my failures. Because He forgave them all on the cross. Now, does that mean I shouldn't confess my sins? No. That is the process in real time that God has forgiven you to cleanse not only your heart but your conscience. So that you can cast the burden of those things that are hindering you and would slow you down and would keep you from serving God in the way that you should. I often tell people with their Bible reading schedule, don't waste your time trying to catch up. Just do it today. You know what? If you did it today long enough, You'd be caught up now, wouldn't you? That's our problem. We don't forget those things which are behind. The only reason you can forget those things which are behind is because they're under the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't play games. All the world, they've got lots of games to play. And it's because you hated your father. Uh, It was because your mother didn't care about you. It was because you didn't get enough hugs. It's because they wouldn't buy you what you wanted on Christmas. Whoa, wait a minute. Yes, there are many, many horrible things that happen to people because of the wickedness of other people. You need to understand something. It's not the sinners that suffer from their sins. It's the innocent people that suffer. And someone said, well, why doesn't God let... Let me tell you, the, the sinners are going to suffer for their sins. That's what hell's all about. But if you're the least bit happy about that, there's something really, really wrong with you. 
you don't know Jesus. You don't know who he is, what he's done for you. How wonderful and precious a relationship with Jesus is. And how that he wants that relationship to grow. He wants you to know him. He wants you to build things that can only be built 20, 30, 50, 70 years into a relationship. To any time I have opportunity to be with somebody that served God a long time, I want to be around that person. That's why our anniversary this year, 25 years as church in October, that's where the 25 came from, by the way. Uh, by God's grace, you need to pray. Brother Clayton's been sick for the last six weeks with the flu. He's finally getting better. 83 years old. He'll be 84 by the time he comes to visit us. Brother Marshall turns uh, 84 in May. And, and we'll be looking forward to having both of those men. They were here for our first service in 1992. And by God's grace, both... Brother and Mrs. Marshall and Brother and Mrs. Clayton will be with us again. I'll tell you what, I'm excited about that. Because they have something that I want. Time with the Lord. And service with the Lord. And that daily walk and forgetting those things which are behind... And the high prize for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, that's simply accomplishing that which God wants you to accomplish with your life. What did Paul say in the book of Second Timothy as he was writing to Timothy, his last letter before he would be taken out and killed for the cause of Christ? He said, I fought the good fight. He said, I finished my course. He said, I have done that which God has called me to do, and I'm ready to meet the Lord. That's what this verse is talking about. Philippians was one of his first books. It was one of the earlier books. And Paul is describing this. And then when we go to 2 Timothy, the last book that he wrote, he said, you know what? I've run that race. I've finished that course. I'm ready to meet God. How many of you would like to have that kind of confidence when it comes time to meet God? I do. I want that. Here's how you get it. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I've not reached the goal. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now look at verse 15. He says, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. 
He said, if you want to know the perfect, the world uses this phrase, I just hate it, mindset. I, I, I just don't like it. I, I want my heart to be set on the things of God. I don't have time to worry about how I think about things. What I need to do is just press on for that next day. I want to serve God today. You know what? I've got things that have to be done tomorrow that God has put in my path for my service to Him. And part of that's uh, representing our, our church at, uh, at a meeting for Heartland Baptist Bible College and, and some of the board of, of trustees and things there. And I'm, I'm looking forward to going there to do that, to help the college because, you know what? I want Heartland to be still doing the same things it's doing today 20 years from today. Uh, I want Open Door Bible Baptist Church to stay the course and not to change and not to follow the worldly whims and fancies. But you know, we have a lot of people with other, they think other things. Well, I, I, Pastor, I know, I've got to think about the things of heaven and be prepared for him, but I've got to live a real life too. You, you know, you need to understand that, that God's given us brains to think. Well, wait a minute. Here's what Paul's saying in verse 15. He said, if you're thinking anything else but what I'm telling you you should be thinking, you're not close enough to God to be thinking what God wants you to think. He said, God is going to reveal to you. If you get close enough to the Word, if you will get close enough to God, Paul says, God will show you that this is what ought to be going on in your heart and soul each and every day. And if it isn't, it's because you're not where God wants you to be. It's just that simple. It says, verse 16, Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be ye fathers together of me, and mark them which walk so, as ye have us for an example. Now, one of the key words today is unity. Everybody says, well, we need to be, we need to drop our differences and be unified. Do you know what a politician means when they use the word unity? Will you stop disagreeing with me? That's what a politician means when they use the word unity. The next time you hear a news report, Trump did this, Trump did that, Trump did this. Just put that phrase in there. Trump, stop disagreeing with me. And all of a sudden the news makes sense now, doesn't it? That's not unity. Uh, we called that slavery. When the British crown tried to do that to us as colonists, I'm reading the life of George Washington by John Marshall, the, not my father-in-law, but the uh, first justice, uh, the first uh, chief justice of the Supreme Court wrote a life of George Washington. And, and it's absolutely amazing the thing that he puts in there and how he's bringing the history. And it's, it's not a short book, but I, I'd recommend 
It's free. You can get it anywhere for your little e-readers or whatever. You see, unity comes when I as your pastor follow Christ and you as a member follow Christ. Unity comes in our church when I preach the Bible and you say amen. That means let it be so. I'm in agreement. You see, unity is not based upon us being little robots and doing everything pastor says. No. Unity comes when we of our own personal accords agree agree with what the Bible says to the point we start doing it. I want to challenge you. Keep doing whatever God's told you to do with your missions giving because it's incredible. Right now we've got We've taken on all, all of our missionaries and we got money in the bank. That's pretty cool. That's great. That's God using us together because we don't have any great big givers. But we have a lot of givers. We just put out the missions checks. Over $6,000 a month we send out just to missionaries and church planners. Look around you. That's not a lot of people. If any one of us had to come up with $6,000, could you do it? Could you borrow? Do you have that good of credit? But then you've got to pay it back. I mean, come on. Stop and think about that. See, this is what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, we have this unity. We walk and, and listen Be ye followers of me. Hey, I want to be a follower of the Apostle Paul. How about you? And we have people living today which are still following the same examples. That's why I I just want to say thank you. That's why it's important that, that I as your pastor, that you send Andrew and I to these fellowship meetings. Because we need to be around other people who are doing the same thing. We need to be reminded that what's going on at Open Door Bible Baptist Church is very small in comparison with what's going on in other churches. And, and those other churches need to be reminded that we're still here in New York City. And we together, that's how Heartland Baptist Bible College exists, is by churches working together. Without any denominational headquarters, without any grand poobah superintendent telling us what to do or what to preach because we're all responsible directly to Jesus Christ. See, this was, if you were here for Sunday school, this was not what was going on in the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 16 through 20. Uh, They were not looking to God. They were looking to themselves and it brought envy and strife and every disagreement. And it was a terrible time in the history of Israel. And I've been in some churches where that kind of thing happens. I've met some people that are going to serve Christ their way. And you see, we as Baptists say, you have absolutely the privilege of serving Christ any way you choose or not serving Him at all. But if you're going to be here, 
we have some things in common. We have some things that we believe. If you want to study with us, don't bring any other version than an old King James version if you speak English. Because we believe that's the right one to use in the English language. Yes, it's more difficult to read than others. I don't know how many people over the years have, most of the time they're short-term members. Well, I just want to learn English. Well, if you learn that Bible, you'll learn anything in English that you ever need to deal with. Trust me. And you'll have something that most people don't have that grow up in our public school system. Not only will you be able to read the words, you'll be able to comprehend the meaning. Because that's what we spend our time doing here. Amen? Words still mean something when God speaks them. Amen? And so as we follow through with this thing, guess what we're going to find? Verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. You know what? There are people that come to church every Sunday that are more concerned with the football game. Oh, that's right. That was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? What is it tonight? Some Hollywood award thing tonight, right? I don't even remember the name. Oscars or Emmys or something like that. I purposely try to stay as ignorant of that foolishness as I possibly can. But you hear it on the news. It's tonight. Well, I hope you'll be in church tonight instead of watching all those filthy people talk about their filthy things on the filthy TV. Amen? You see, you have a choice. But you've got to make that choice. You're either a servant of the Christ of the cross or you're an enemy of the cross. How am I an enemy of the cross? Well, what happens? You see, the cross is a form of capital punishment. And the cross never missed its mark. There are, were some people in history that could not be hung. They could not be executed by hanging. And so, if they were going to execute them, they had to find some other way of doing it. But you know, that never happened with the cross. Never, ever. Because if it took one day or twenty, when they nailed you to a cross, you stayed there till you were dead. The reason people are an enemy of the cross is because they're holding on to something in this life that they want to keep. They're holding on to some self thing. This is the reason I, I despise the purpose driven life book. And double despise the purpose driven church. Because it tells you to hold on to those desires that God has put in your heart. Well, that's the problem. The only way you get God's desires in your heart is by getting to know Jesus better. And that means the death of yourself. 
and the death of your wishes and the death of your hopes. And, the, and I don't want to realize the little, the little uh, what is it, champion that is in me. Because that champion serves the wrong side, my friend. My heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I don't need to know me any better. I need to know Jesus. And if we're not careful, we'll line up with the enemies of the cross. You see, these last two verses and we'll be done. For our conversation is in heaven. And whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I get a little nervous today when I hear all this talk in Christianity of we're preparing for the kingdom. Listen, when the king comes, that's Jesus. He will fight the battles. Read the book of Revelation. Read chapter 19 when Jesus comes with the armies of heaven. How are the armies of this world defeated? By the sword that goes out of his mouth, by his spoken word. Being in the armies of heaven does not give us the right to fight gives us the privilege of hiding behind Jesus. When you get in a real battle, you have the job of trying to kill or subdue the enemy. That's what war is about. But you need to know something. The enemy has the same right and privilege to do to you what you're trying to do to them. Or worse. That's what makes it a real battle. Are we together? You cannot do battle with the devil and win. You can't do it. God hasn't called you to take the sword of the Spirit and chase the devil. How foolish! His power is second only to God. Now, it is a far, 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 far removed second. We want to understand there's no comparison between the power of the devil and the power of God. God's power is infinitely greater. But if you want to really fight the devil, hide behind Jesus. You see, but we've got to stop the progression of wickedness in this world. How often have we said this? You want to stop abortion? Teach those little girls and little boys righteousness before abortion becomes a question. And there will be no abortion. Teach people what a precious gift Life is, and that life only comes from God. Guess what? We won't have to argue about right to die and euthanasia and 
all of these things that are going on in our society today. If we could only teach husbands to love God more than themselves and wives to love that same God more than themselves, divorce would not be an issue. See, the answer is knowing Jesus. And nobody, not not me, not any other living person, can make you know Jesus better. That's your job. That's your responsibility. That is your daily work. If you want to know Jesus, you've got to spend some time in this book. Guess what? Paul said, I'm trying to apprehend that which I'm apprehended of. He said, Jesus got me. He says, but I need to know more about him. I'm pressing. I want to be ready so that when that time comes... I can say, I have finished my course. I I fought the fight. I'm ready to meet Jesus. Those were Paul's words. I mean, say, preacher, I want those to be my words when that time comes. Could we say amen to that? Well, here's how it happens. Forgetting those things which are behind. Pressing toward that mark. Every day. I don't want to be an enemy of the cross. As much as it terrifies me, I want to embrace the death of myself. Because it's only when I get rid of me that Jesus can do what he wants to do through me. It's only when I get me out of the way. No matter how much you study your Bible, you're going to find out that if you will just read what the Bible says... That's where you have to end up. And if you end up anywhere else, you make yourself an enemy of the cross. You say, but I I know people that want to serve Christ, that don't serve Christ. Here's what the Bible says every time that comes up. Jesus' words. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I... Never knew you. You can have a pretend relationship with Christ. You can have an imitation salvation. Jesus said, there's going to be many that say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. And I want to challenge you. Do you know that Jesus has a hold of you? Do you know that you're saved? Based upon the words of this book. Not some feeling, not some emotion. Remember years ago we had someone come in. Says, uh, we got, uh, my wife actually got talking and, and uh, she asked her, Do you know for sure you're saved? And, oh, yes, yes. Well, we've, we've learned to ask. What do you base that knowledge on? Oh, I went forward in a church service and somebody prayed for me. And my wife began to explain to her, that's not salvation. Nobody can pray for you to get saved and it save you. You have to pray for you to get saved. It's a personal responsibility between you and God. But once you get saved, guess what? 
My sins are forgiven. I am justified. Yes, when I fail, what do I do? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then I can forget those things which are behind and press on. My life is free to serve Christ. I don't need your problems. And being a pastor, boy, I could take advantage of this. If you earned your way to heaven... It would be most easy for me because people come to me with their problems. Boy, I've got it made. No, I don't. Because I'm pressing on the same path that you should be pressing on. And when we think the same way, using the same Bible, guess what that does for us? It brings us into agreement with each other on a level They cannot be coerced by human efforts. And we find ourselves serving God together as members one of another in the body of Christ, which is the local church. Uh, I think Andrew was looking at my notes, but I know he couldn't have because they weren't written when he picked out the song. But you see, faith is the victory. But when we see Christ, it'll only be worth it all if you have striven to know him better with your life's effort. Can we say amen to that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank and praise you for your word and what's in it. And Lord, we ask as we go through this year and Certainly, Lord, we've, we've picked a theme that is not going to be just a simple, yes, Lord, kind of theme. It's one that's got to change us from the innermost parts of our being. Lord, we call upon the Holy Spirit of God as you want him to have freedom to teach us and open our eyes and our hearts to not only just see but to understand and have your word change the way we live. Lord, we ask that during this time of invitation, if there be one here that does not know you as their Savior, that today would be at least a step closer that they would be willing to say, show me, teach me, Lord, what it means to be born again the Bible way. Lord, if someone's ready to make that decision, that they would not put it off one second, but that they would surrender to you in salvation. Lord, we pray for those that are saved, that they would not allow the influence and philosophies of this world to allow them to say, I've achieved, I've apprehended. No, no, I'm apprehended of Christ, yes. But there's a whole lifetime of relationship that I can realize with Christ if only. I'll forget those things which are behind and press toward that mark. Lord, I pray that we would be qualified to have reached the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, change our thinking. 
Let us look only unto our Savior and understand that you will subdue all things to you. Let's willingly submit to that Jesus. Change the way we live this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, have Andrew coming to lead in the hymn of invitation. If you need to come and pray, the altar's open. If you'd like someone to show you from the Bible how you may know your sins are forgiven, we ask you.